You know, we sing an awful lot of songs about the cross and salvation and, and all of that. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I think of all these words that we, we sing and the songs that we know. And I, I don't know that I've ever heard that one before, what a tremendous song that was. But just another one that, here are these words. And yet, doesn't it somewhat seem like words just kind of can't fully explain <laughs> how great it, uh, it is his unspeakable gift the, the cross of Calvary that brings salvation to sinners like you and me praise the Lord for that thank you for uh, the singing today has just been a blessing I appreciate it so much Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8 tonight Second Corinthians chapter 8 and uh, as we're considering this subject of missions and our involvement in missions, your involvement as a church in missions, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that's often referenced in regard to uh, faith promise giving. Second Corinthians 8 and 9 deal with those things. It's not my intention tonight to narrowly focus in on faith promise giving, but really... Uh, I want to look at this maybe with a little bit different perspective tonight. We're going to read the, the first five verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're there, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand for the reading of the scripture. If we can do that tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says here, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit... It's an interesting phrase. It means to take knowledge of or to pay attention to. We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and... Beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. I want to pay attention to that first phrase that we read there in, in 2 Corinthians 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And I want to talk to you tonight about experiencing God's grace. Experiencing God's grace. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction that it gives us, the wisdom that it gives to us, and even the examples of others as we look at lives that have uh, that you have used and people that you've used and churches that you've used to carry out your work. And Lord, we see so many examples in your word of you using people above and beyond their own abilities and their own capabilities in order that your power might be known. And Lord, I pray that tonight as we look into your word that you would just challenge us and, and really cause us to consider and and, and desire that you would use us in such a way that would go beyond our own abilities, that we would live our lives in the grace of God and experiencing your strength and your enabling. And so bless in this time in your word and 
do your work as we know you will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Experiencing the grace of God, Paul opens this chapter by admonishing the church at Corinth to pay attention to or to take knowledge of the churches of Macedonia in regard to the grace that God has given to them. Now the word grace, we throw it around a lot, but I wonder how often we stop and really consider what it means. There are actually different aspects of grace that we find in Scripture, the most common of which, of course, that we talk about is grace in regard to salvation, for by grace are ye saved, and we understand that what that means is that none of us are deserving of God's forgiveness. There's nothing we could ever do to earn his favor, to earn his forgiveness, and yet he freely offers that to us, and grace is that which we do not deserve, but which is freely offered to us. So we talk about God's grace in reference to salvation. That's one aspect of grace. But another aspect of grace that we find throughout the Bible is this concept of God's enabling strength enabling power. In other words, if you're a, a saved child of God here tonight, you have, for instance, a spiritual gift, something that God has gifted you for, a, a way in which you can serve through this local church, and, and it's something that God has gifted you with, but that, that gift is only by His grace. It's not natural ability. It's not just something that you are born with. It's God's enabling grace that He's given to you in order to be able to serve Him. And so we, we understand that there is a, an aspect of grace that has to do with God's enabling power in our lives. And here Paul is talking to this church at Corinth and he's saying, hey, uh, and he praises them for some of the, the things that they've done. And, but here's what he's saying, you need to kind of take a look at a, some other churches and see what what God is doing there, and in looking at them, you need to be challenged in reference to what you can do. Now, the specific context here is that uh, at this time in history, there was a, a famine and, and, and just kind of a time of, of poverty that had, had come over uh, the Jerusalem and the area there, and, and the churches of Macedonia basically got this idea, we're going to take up some offerings and we're going to give them to the brethren back in Jerusalem and try and help them and, and support their needs. And it kind of caught on and some of the other churches began to do this as well. And so this is, this is an offering that, uh, that Paul was kind of taking up. He was going to be carrying it to Jerusalem. And this is what he is referencing to the church at Corinth, that they too are to be giving to this and they've committed to give to this and be part of it. But as, as Paul is coming, he's, he's encouraging them and saying, basically, when it comes time for me to, to come, I, I want you to be prepared with this offering and, and ready to give it. But as you do this, be aware of what God is doing in some other churches. You see, in these other churches, these churches of Macedonia, they didn't um, sit down and crunch the numbers and kind of figure out what they could afford, you know, how much they could give. Uh, where it wouldn't really hurt their budget too much. No, actually, they, they went above and beyond what we expected. We, they went above and beyond even their own ability in order that they could be a blessing to the brethren. They did more than we ever expected they could because they experienced God's grace. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of us 
that God used us in a way that was beyond our own abilities, beyond our own capabilities, in such a way that we could even be used as an example to encourage other believers, to, to encourage other churches. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, if someday someone could point to Mount Zion Baptist Church and say, hey, every church in the country ought to look to that church and see how God is using them to accomplish His will around the world and, 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 and fulfill the Great Commission. That's an example-setting church. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I think that ought to be our desire for all of us, that, we, that God would use us in such a way, not that we're proud or boastful about that, but one of the things that we are supposed to do as, as children of God, we are to actually provoke one another. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that we're to consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, that we would actually be a challenge for others as others would look at our lives, that they'd say, I want what they've got, you know? I want to be used of God in the way that they're being used of God. And these churches of Macedonia, in this case, are being used as that example. Now, what are the churches of Macedonia? Well, there are probably more uh, than we would know their names, but some that you might be familiar with would be uh, the church at Berea. Those Bereans, you remember, they were the ones that were more noble than the Thessalonians in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and then they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And the church in Thessalonica as well, a church that was very near and dear to the heart of the Apostle Paul. That would also have been a church in Macedonia. And probably the, the greatest example of a church of Macedonia would be the church at Philippi. That was kind of the first place, if you remember, when, when they went into Macedonia, that Paul and, and, and Silas, they went in there and began preaching. Timothy was with them at that point. And Paul and Silas ended up in jail and... And that night the Philippian jailer came to Christ and his family and that was kind of the foundation, the beginning of a church there in that city, in that area. And that church in particular was one that Paul wrote back to as a church that had supported him and given to his needs and had even sent one of their own members as a representative of the church to minister alongside of him, a man by the name of Epaphroditus. And, and, and this church was, was giving and they were committed to the work of the Lord. You might, you, you might say, well, God must have blessed them with great means to be able to do all that they did. But actually, notice in uh, verse number 2, it says, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. These churches are giving not out of abundance. They're not even just stretching themselves a little bit here and, and, and going beyond their comfort level. They were in a time themselves of deep poverty. Wouldn't it have been easy for these churches to say, hey, we wish we could help out the church at Jerusalem. We wish we could help the brethren there, but we have our own needs to worry about. But they didn't. They recognized that there was something that God could do through them and something that God wanted to do through them that was actually above and beyond their own ability. I, I propose to you tonight that the concept of Experiencing the grace of God in our lives means that we have to actually see God do above and beyond that which we can do ourselves. You see, if, if one of you came to me tonight and said, Brother Weiss, you know, I, 
I have a need and, and uh, I've got a, let's just say I, I need to buy some groceries for my family. I don't have any, any money and, and I need to buy some groceries for my family. And I say, okay, well, well, how much do you need? And he said, well, you know, $100 would get me through the week or through the next few days for, for my family. If I had a $100 bill in my wallet and I pulled it out and gave it to you, it didn't really require the grace of God to do that. It was just, it was within my power, within my ability to do it. And I, and I would do that. But when we talk about experiencing the grace of God, it requires that, that we need God's grace, we need God's strength, we need his power because he's expecting us to do something that is outside of our capacity, outside of our ability. I don't know about you, but I want to see God do things in my life, in my family's life, and in my ministry that are really above and beyond my own capabilities. If, if, if the only thing that I ever reach, the only, the, the only way that God ever uses me is just you know, reaching the potential that I have, I haven't really experienced the great grace that God can give. If we want to see what God can do, we have to be willing... To go beyond. And actually I want to show you that that in itself was where it started with these churches. You say, well how did, how did these churches come to know this grace? Well there was first a willingness there. Notice in verse number 3. For to their power I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. In other words, I believe that in these churches, there was this, let me just kind of, let's use our imaginations here tonight. Let's say maybe on a, a Sunday night, someone came to them from Jerusalem and said, Hey, brethren, have you, have you heard what's going on over in Jerusalem? Our, our brothers over there, they're struggling, they're hurting, they're, they're impoverished, and and, and we need to pray for them. And maybe the church, as they gathered together, began to pray, what can we do and how can we help? And, and, and maybe they looked at their own needs and their own problems and they said, boy, this is just, I, I don't know what we're going to do. But maybe they went to praying. They said, Lord, if you would be willing to do something miraculous, just know, Lord, that we are willing we're willing to pay whatever price it might cost us. We're willing to, to do what it takes. If you would just enable us, if you would just empower us, if you would give us some way of being a blessing and a help to our brethren who ultimately brought the gospel to us, then we would like to see you do something. We don't have the ability, but we know that you have the ability. And so, Lord, we're willing to see you work. I wonder how many of us are willing to, to come to the Lord in that way. Lord, I, my abilities aren't great and I don't have a lot to offer. What I do have, I lay on the altar and I'm just asking you, Lord, to do something above and beyond what I can do. Because I want to start seeing what you can do. I want to begin seeing the power of God. I know what I can do, and what I can do is pretty limited. But it's pretty incredible when you begin to see what God can do. You saw that video from Brother Noah George, and uh, 
I know Brother George. He's a tremendous guy. I, I just so appreciate him and his humility. And, but I, I'll just tell you that he's a man who lives in the grace of God. I mean, he experiences things, and, and he could sit here and, and tell us stories, and I've heard some of the stories of things that God has done there in, in Lebanon, and, and uh, even when he was in Jordan, and just some incredible things, things that you would probably even hesitate to believe, just how miraculous they were, in, in ways that God has enabled the gospel to go forth there, through a man who... Again, he's a great man and he has some talents and abilities. But listen, God is doing things through him and through his family that are far beyond their power. That's exciting, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful to be part of that, even in supporting a missionary like that? And seeing, wow, God is at work in that place. But I just want to challenge us tonight. Are we willing to live in that grace where we say, Lord, do something through me? That's beyond what I can do. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And I'm going to lay myself on the altar and say, Lord, just use me beyond my abilities. To reach those around me. To give and support the work of the Lord. To be a blessing and a help to the church here. To their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. And notice also that he says in verse number 4, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So Paul's saying, hey, when I was in Macedonia, I saw their poverty, I saw their need. I didn't come to them and say, hey, could, could you take up some offerings and give to the church in Jerusalem? No, they came to me. It's almost as if, he said they were praying us. In other words, it's almost like Paul said, listen, I appreciate your heart and your desire, but you need to keep that. You have your own needs. And they're saying, no, please, please, take this. We we, we want to see what God's going to do with this. They were willing of themselves. And then look at verse number five. And this they did, not as we hoped, But first, gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Why did these churches experience the grace of God? Well, because before they ever tried to do anything, they put themselves on the altar. You're going to be challenged here and and have been challenged to fill out a faith promise card. And this is your commitment for missions in this upcoming year and what you're going to give financially to missions. And I I hope that you've been praying about that and really seeking the Lord's will and direction. I I hope that you're trusting God by faith, maybe to even see an increase this year in what you're able to do. But can I encourage you, before you ever even think about putting this in an offering plate as your commitment, in your heart you need to put yourself in the offering plate. Say, Lord, it's it's not about me, it's not about what I have, it's about you, and whatever I have, I'm yours. I'm just, before I do anything else, first, they gave themselves to the Lord. That's where it begins. Lord, here am I. 
It's a matter of laying ourselves on the altar. You know, sometimes preachers get accused of, of preaching on giving and giving money. And obviously, we have to preach it. It's in the Bible and we're to preach the whole counsel of God. It's not my favorite subject to preach about. And I, I really don't do it all that much. And let me tell you why. Because I believe that the need when it comes to giving, tithing and giving to missions and, and, and whatever other offerings are needed and all of that, it really isn't an issue of the pocketbook. It's an issue of the heart. And if God has your heart and he has your life, he has everything else also. If you would just recognize everything I have, my money, my time, my abilities, it all belongs to God anyway. And so I give it to him and he's able to use whatever he wants to. And I hope that he'll use all of what I have and go beyond that. Go above and beyond my strength and do something incredible. Do we really believe that God can? He did for the churches of Macedonia. And we are now pointed back to them. As we look into the word of God, God says, hey, let me show you what I did with these churches. They didn't have a lot, but I used them. I believe that there are a lot of people that fail to really... Be all that God wants them to be because they look at themselves and they say, well, I just don't have much to give, you know. And I'm not talking about just financially, but there are people who sit in a church and they think, well, I would be willing to do that, except there are other people who are more talented and have, have better abilities. So I'm just going to sit here and let others serve because I don't really have much to offer. But God, God kind of specializes in using... Not much. <laughs> That's why he doesn't call many mighty, many noble. He uses the foolish things of the world and the weak things of the world. Because in using the weak things of the world, his power is shown. You know, David killed Goliath, but it really wouldn't have been much of a victory if he was of equal size to Goliath. You know, someone's going to win that. But when he used little young David, who didn't even have a sword in his hand, now we look back on that and we say, well, that wasn't David, that was God. And it might just be that as we look at our lives, we say, well, I don't have a whole lot to offer God. Yeah, but if we'll just place ourselves in his hands, we might see it. You know, it's not us anyway, it's him working through us. Like a widow woman who gave two mites which make a farthing. And from a human perspective, we say, why bother? It was all she had left. It, left. it probably wasn't enough to even buy a loaf of bread, you know, but, but it was what she had and she gave it. And Jesus looked at it and see, God doesn't see things the way that we see him. He said, no, she, she's done more. She's cast more in than everyone else, even the rich people who cast in much. Why? Because she gave everything she had out of her want, out of her need, she gave. And God recognized that and blessed her for that. We still preach about it today. I'm just saying I think there's some things that God wants to do in our lives that if we just get out of the way and say, Lord, I'm yours, and I'm just going to trust that you can do better than I can, we might see God do some incredible things, things that are above and beyond what we could imagine. I mean, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him, Right? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. 
Think of the, 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 greatest, the greatest thing that you could imagine. The, you begin to pray about. If I, if I were to ask you, what is the thing on your prayer list that you, you almost wonder if it's even possible, if God could ever do this, I just want you to know you haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what God can do because you in your mind could never dream up something that's too big for God. But you got to be willing you got to be willing to give yourself and say, Lord, here am I. I want you to hold your place here and just go with me forward a few pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're talking about living in the grace of God, experiencing the grace of God. Second Corinthians 12 and verse number 7, Paul says here, Unless I should be exalted above measure... Through the abundance of the revelations, there was, a, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, listen to this, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So here we have Paul who was, I mean by all accounts he was a, he was a Jew's Jew. He, he knew the Old Testament scriptures. He was, I understand he wasn't necessarily maybe the most eloquent man, but he was one who was, you know, greatly used to the Lord. And, and God used him to, to write a lot of the New Testament. And he was given revelations. And, I mean, he was, a, he was a great Christian. He was a great apostle. He was a great missionary. And the reality is, because he was a man, just like you and I are, he was susceptible to being a little bit proud about what God had done through him. And so the Lord, in his mercy and his grace, gave Paul this thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, probably some type of a physical ailment, in order to keep him humble. That he would not be exalted above measure, that he wouldn't get too proud in himself. And he began to go to the Lord and pray for deliverance and pray for healing. And the Lord then revealed to him his purpose in it. Basically this, Paul, I need to keep you weak so you'll learn to depend on me. Because when you're strong in yourself, you, you may have a lot of potential, but your potential is nowhere near what the potential is if you're living in my grace, if you're experiencing my power. So I'm going to keep you in a position where you're dependent on me, where you're relying on me, where you're too weak to go about this on your own. And notice then Paul's response to that. He doesn't say, so I accepted it. It was just my cross to bear. No, he said, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness Paul's response then is, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I'd rather live in the grace of God with all my weakness and with all my flaws than live in my own strength and not experience his power, his strength made perfect. I want to experience the perfect strength of God, the grace of God. Do you want to know just what God can do with you, there is no limit to what God can do through you if you'll be yielded to Him. 
But when we live in our own strength, we're not living in the grace of God. We're not experiencing, I should say, the grace of God and His strength, His enabling power in our lives. I want you to go back with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter number 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. There's an interesting verse as the Lord is through the prophet, through the seer at the time pronouncing some judgment against Asa and because, because he kind of went about things his own way and his own wisdom. But notice what he says here in 2 Chronicles 16 verse number 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. What an incredible statement. Let me read that again. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward, toward him. In other words, here's what he's saying. God is searching through all the earth, through all the world, looking for an opportunity to reveal His strength and His power through people. God's looking for an opportunity to show Himself strong in your life, in this church. But when we go about things, we say, no, Lord, I got this. I'll handle it. Uh, this is about what I think I can do. This is what I'm comfortable with. We never get to experience that strength. But man, it's wonderful when we get out of the way and we say, Lord, okay, <laughs> I'm weak. I don't have much here. I referenced this morning that the feeding of the 5,000. And one of the things that's stated here is that there's a, there's a lad that hath you know, five barley loaves and two small fishes. And then the question was this, what are they among so many? Maybe you look at yourself and you say, well, what am I really? Can I give you the answer? Nothing. Sorry. <laughs> this idea, and sometimes you hear preachers say things, you know, just look within and you'll find, the oh, that's a bunch of baloney. You know what I find when I look within? I fall flat on my face when I look to myself. But here's the thing. Those five loaves and two small fishes were put in the hands of Jesus. And then the interesting thing is he began to divide them. And somehow, miraculously... Everyone was filled, and there was more left over when they were done. Why? Because when you take something that is nothing and you put it in the hands of Jesus, you find that his strength is perfect. He's looking for an opportunity to show himself strong. And my, my challenge to us tonight is just to say, Lord, I just want to be the place. I want to be the vessel. I want to be the one that you use and that you choose to show yourself strong through me. 
not for my glory, not so that others can look to me and, and I can boast in myself, but that I can just boast in the grace of God to say, Lord, even though I am nothing, that you have worked through me in such a way to do something mighty and miraculous. Experiencing the grace of God and going above and beyond. And, and again tonight, just in the context of, of this missions emphasis month and the things that you're doing here, can I just challenge you as a church to just say, you know what, Lord, this is all that we have, whatever it is. This is our, these are our resources. This is our money. These are our, uh, our people and our abilities. But, Lord, we, we want to see you do something that's far greater than anything we could ever do. We want to experience your grace. And just like you work through the churches of Macedonia, we want you to work through this church and through each of us individually. We want to see your power. We want to see your hand. So we give ourselves over. We might not be much, but whatever we are, whatever we have, it's yours. It's in your hands. We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we'll close with this tonight. 2 Corinthians 8, once again. Verse number 3, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Verse 5, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Our Father tonight, would you help us, Lord, to get out of your way and just to put ourselves in your hands and let you do through us whatever it is that you want to do. Father, we know that we are limited. Even the, the best of us, the, the one with the, the most wisdom, the most talent, the most money, Lord, none of us have the ability to do what you can do. Not even close. So, Lord, would you just help us to humble ourselves and just put ourselves in your hands that we may begin to experience the power of God in our lives and through us. Bless this church, Father, as they seek your will in regard to what they can do for missions in this upcoming year. Help them, Lord, to believe and trust that you can do things through them that they could never do through themselves. Help them to believe it and to step out in faith trusting that you can and you will by placing themselves in your hands. Work in this place, we pray. And even in this invitation time, Lord, would you help us to just allow you to search our hearts. And maybe, maybe there's some things that need to be surrendered, some, some things that need to be yielded over to you tonight. Would you help us to do that? That we might be able to see and experience your, your power and your work in our lives. We ask this now in Jesus' name.